and welcome to episode 5 of 52 Writing Tips. My name is Sophie and this week we're going to be talking about characters. So how do you craft really great lovable characters? What are the three things that you can do to make sure that your characters are rounded and not flat? And what one thing can you take away from your everyday life that will help you to craft really gorgeous Uh, Not necessarily physically, but characters that kind of jump out of the page, grab your reader by the collar and make them really care about them. Um, If this is your first week, then welcome. Every week I'm trying to impart, I suppose, a tip about writing. And uh, my goal is to try and stick to a habit that's not uh, just writing my novel every day. Because I'm pretty good at that, but I'm pretty terrible at updating my blog. So... This is a bit of a, a joint effort to just prove to myself that I can uh, I can keep a habit that's not writing a book and it doesn't have to be this kind of long and torturous event that I've made it into. But every week I'm going to be hopefully sharing something useful. So let's dive straight into characters, shall we? And look at how to craft lovable characters. Think about your favourite books. What is it that you love about them? Is it the way the author paints the settings? Is it how they space out their dialogue? Uh, I mean, probably not, right? Chances are what you love about a book is that you fell in love with a character or maybe an entire band of characters. Think about Frodo from Lord of the Rings or Neo from The Matrix or Winnie from Winnie the Pooh. If you write a character that's lovable, then your readers are going to be churning through the pages of your book in their eagerness to find out what happens next. But I mean, and speaking from experience, writing amazing characters straight off the bat is super hard. And uh, yeah, it's something that I have constantly, I would say, struggled with. And it's what I've done probably the most amount of work on my my own writing to try and rectify I think it's taken me and it's still I mean I'm still learning I'm still doing as much reading around the subject as I can Um, I wrote an entire thesis on the topic and I'm still I don't think um, I, I feel like I still don't know it all so characterization is tough and I know it's tough because I'm still finding it tricky um I mean, I write historical fiction and that tends to be quite event-led. And the problem with that is that occasionally your characters will feel like they're just kind of being pulled from event A to event B. And it's not them. It's not their decisions, their mistakes that's dragging them. It's this kind of inevitable tide of history. So if you're finding characterization difficult, then you're definitely not alone. I mean, there's there's definitely at least two of us in this club Um, And actually, based on my research, I don't think we're the only ones either. It's something that is just really difficult in the beginnings, but something that I sincerely hope gets a little bit easier as we go along. So what I thought I would do today is just share three things uh, that I've found super helpful in the hopes that um, you'll find them helpful as well. So the first thing is 
rounded characters. When we want to craft a brilliant character, we need to make sure they are a rounded character. Now, maybe you're sitting there, standing there, walking there, thinking, Sophie, what is a rounded character? Why should I care? Now, if you've spent any time in the writing community, you might have already heard the term, a round character, and normally it's presented in contrast to a flat character. So they'll give you a difference between a round and a flat character, and basically say, you know, where possible, you want to try and craft as many round characters as possible. Now, the important difference between a round character and a flat character is that a round character has you know, thoughts and feelings and desires and hopes and dreams and fears and wounds that haunt them. Whereas a flat character tends to be more of a plot device. So whilst a flat character might have a goal, their job typically is to either help or hinder your protagonist on their journey. Whereas your protagonist and your round characters are going to be sort of the main cast the main uh, people that you're asking the reader to follow. And I think a really good uh, description of a rounded character is one that's given by James Wood in How Fiction Works. And he says that a rounded character should be opaque. It shouldn't immediately be clear why uh, a rounded character is doing something or, or acting in a certain way. And I think this is something that I love seeing. I really love it in TV shows or in uh, movies and books, stories of any kind, really, where a character acts in a surprising way and you, as a reader or maybe a viewer, sit there and go, oh, you know, something's happened there to make the character react like that or overreact like that. I wonder what it is. Now, I wonder, why do I love this kind of moment? Or why do we, maybe it's we, I don't know, um, as readers love that kind of moment when you get the glimpse behind the curtain and into the character's psyche almost. And I think the reason why we love it is because it gives us that glimpse of their ghost, their wound, their lie, something that haunts them, something that they've invented to protect themselves or cover something up. It hints at that kind of self-realisation or development that the character is going to need to do in order to overcome it. So a round character then is is someone in your book, not something, well, I suppose it could be not a person, um, but let's not get into that today. A rounded character has more than just a goal. They're not a plot device. They're a pseudo-human. They've got dreams and desires. They've got wants and hopes and fears. And your job as a writer is to go away and figure out what all of those things are. So let's have a look then about discovering your character's past. So in order to get a great head start on crafting a rounded character, you do really need to delve into their past. You need to identify their wound, that thing that hurt them, that thing that shaped who they are today or who they are when your reader meets them at the beginning of your novel. You need to identify their lie, that thing they've told themselves to kind of make the impact of that wound lesser. 
it colours their world, it colours how they react to people, how they have relationships with other people. You need to identify their need, the thing that will ultimately make them happy, the thing that maybe in their subconscious they're aware of, but they're certainly not actively pursuing it in the same way that they might pursue their want. Their want is their goal, something that they're going after in the course of the story. And typically this goal should be taking your character further away from what they actually need. Now, don't worry if all of these things sound a bit overwhelming. We're going to go through a really straightforward and step-by-step example. But in general, if if this sounds like a lot, um, don't worry. Just look within yourself and you'll see why we tend to craft characters this way. Because as humans, we're pretty flawed, I would say. We're pretty conflicted and we tend to be quite inconsistent. Um, And a lot of the times, we'll base our behavior off of a trauma or a wound that we've suffered. Because what happens afterwards is you pick yourself up, you brush your knees down, and you move on. But the thing is, you always carry a little slither of that wound with you, that trauma, and we tend to find really compelling ways of deceiving ourselves into thinking that we've solved it or we've overcome it when we actually might not have. And this is something that you're going to see in your character and probably something that you've empathized with in other characters already. So let's have a look then about an example of a wound, a lie, a want, a need, and a truth. Let's have a think back to week one, where I started bandying around this idea of a woman, Rosie, who discovers a secret upon her wife's death that threatens to kind of unravel everything she knew about her wife, Jane, and everything she thought she knew about their marriage. Now, let's say you've got an idea like that one or, you know, your own breed. And now you need to try and build up who Rosie is, who your main character is. Well, this is how we can start. So Rosie's wound could definitely be something about being lied to or being deceived. That fits in really well with this kind of finding something that's been made a secret and reacting to it. So that means, you know, the threat of whatever she finds or doesn't find, I don't know, I haven't written it yet, um, in this locked drawer would be doubly triggering for her because it's something that she's experienced before, something that's going to reopen these old wounds. So then you can start having a think, having a bit of a brainstorm. What kinds of situations could Rosie have experienced in the past that were traumatic and that involved uh, being lied to or being deceived. So maybe um, maybe she was cheated on by the first person that she fell in love with. Maybe she was, you know, abandoned by a parental figure. Um, maybe she got lost in a mall um, and, and nobody came to collect her at the end of the day. You know, really use your imagination and try and try and think about what it is that could have really hurt your character and how that's going to trigger them. Think about the event itself. Think about the specifics. You know, if Rosie got lost in a mall as a three-year-old, or shopping centre as we call them in the UK, um, as a three-year-old, 
does she, you know, avoid them now? Does she sometimes find herself feeling a little bit, um, a little bit off or a little bit on edge when she's in big department stores? Is she scared of crowds because of her experience? You know, really dig into it and try and get a, an idea into your character's psyche on the back of it. Now, this wound is really important because it's going to give birth to your character's lie. Your character's lie is typically something that they tell themselves to try and protect themselves, to try and overcome or deal with the wound that they experienced. So Rosie's way of solving her wound of being deceived or being lied to is maybe to tell herself that if she trusts people, um, they'll only end up disappointing her. So it's just better not to trust anyone. So when she discovers that locked drawer, that that secret that Jane has been keeping from her, it's almost like a justification. She gets proof then, you know, she's been lied to, she's been deceived. This is a secret and she didn't know anything about it. Now, the important thing about your character's lie is that your character should definitely believe that it helps them, but it should do the exact opposite of that. So the lie should really make life difficult for your character. So for example, with uh, with Rosie, the lie that she thinks is protecting her, that you shouldn't trust other people, you know, is actually going to be harming her in a multitude of ways. Her lack of trust in others is going to be depriving her of the connection she actually craves on a subconscious level of the kind of security that deep down she truly needs. Now, Rosie's want, Rosie's story goal, what she wants to achieve across the course of the narrative, that might be to track back what's in that drawer. Um, She wants to trace the clues back and find out once and for all if her relationship with Jane was meaningful or not. But that want and Rosie's need are two different things. Imagine that Rosie was your friend, uh, and not an imaginary cluster of words that I've come up with on a podcast. You probably wouldn't tell Rosie that it's a great idea to follow these clues into a spiralling pit of despair, maybe even madness, definitely sadness at some point. You'd probably tell her to, you know, leave the drawer be, content herself with how she knows her relationship was um, and, and focus on moving on with her life and healing. Now, obviously, you're not in the book. And if you do give your character that piece of advice on page one, it's going to be quite a short story because what we tend to want to read is these, you know, down and out or plucky characters coming across all of these hardships and changing in a really meaningful way. Um, But what it does is it highlights the difference between what Rosie wants and what she needs. And what she needs is to realise that, you know, she's never going to get the connection that she so deeply desires if she doesn't trust people. Her pursuit of her want, so finding out the clues in this drawer, that's justifying the lie. What she actually needs to develop and to grow is to realise that, you know, she should make herself vulnerable, she should trust people. 
Um, this would be a great opportunity in the book to introduce an ally character, um, maybe a love interest, maybe just a, a really supportive friend that Rosie could learn to trust over the course of the book. And that can be the journey. So therefore, Rosie's truth might be something like, whilst giving somebody your trust makes you vulnerable, it also leads to uh, more fulfilling relationships um, and makes you feel very secure when that trust is reciprocated. And that could be the thing that she needs to learn over the course of the book. Now, I'm going to talk about two final things. Um, The difference between having a surprising character and having an inconsistent character. Now, I said earlier that when a character reacts in a surprising way, it's really great. It gives you like this uh, insight into their past, into their wounds, into their traumas. Now, your character absolutely should act in surprising ways. And if you go through their want, their need, their lie, their wound, you're going to find really interesting triggers um, that can get your character to react to other characters in a way that maybe they and the reader wasn't expecting. The important distinction here is that your character shouldn't act in a way that doesn't make any sense to the reader. They shouldn't act massively out of character. So for example, if you've got a character that's introduced as a bit of a Lothario, or maybe someone that spurns love in chapter one, they shouldn't be sort of willing to walk down the aisle at the beginning of chapter two without the reader getting a reason why, you know, their mind has, their personality even, has changed so rapidly. You wouldn't have somebody, a character that is terrified of heights, suddenly signing up to uh, perform a wing walk on a flight voluntarily. You need to make sure that when you've got a character that does something that's a little bit out of the norm for them, they've got a reason. Because otherwise what happens, and I'm sure you've had it when you've been reading books, is that the reader takes a step back and goes, hang on a minute, like that's not very consistent for this character. I don't think that they would actually do that. And the problem with that is that they suddenly look behind the curtain and they see you, the writer, typing away. And it breaks that kind of suspension of disbelief that we buy into when we read books and it prevents the reader from forming this kind of bond with your character. So you need to make sure that if you're going to have your character acting in not just surprising but you know conflicting or inconsistent ways that you've already given the reader a bit of a heads up, a bit of a reason. Take Frodo Baggins as an example. We've talked about him a couple of times because I did the Lord of the Rings uh, and the Hobbit marathon, actually, uh, not too long ago. So um, it's fresh in my brain. Um, But, you know, Frodo's obviously brave. He volunteers to take the ring to Mordor and he's selfless because he's willing to continue all by himself rather than put his friends at risk. But Frodo's also being corrupted by the ring at the same time. So when he starts acting against these character traits of being brave and being selfless, when he hesitates right at the end, oh, spoiler, if you've never seen the end of The Lord of the Rings, just, you know, stop listening for 30 seconds and then come back. Right at the end, he hesitates. He doesn't want to throw the ring 
into Mordor. But we know as a reader that the ring is corrupting him and we worry for his brave and selfless character because of it. Tolkien gives the reader a reason why Frodo's suddenly acting out. And that's all you need to do. You just need to give the reader a really good reason why your character is being a bit strange. So now we've had a look at the, the things that you need to begin to build your character's backstory. So their wound, their lie, their truth, their want, and their need. We've had a little look at the difference between surprising and inconsistent and a really simple way that you can solve that. Now, the final thing that we're going to have a look at is how real people can help us craft beautiful characters. Think about someone close to you. Now think about their quirks. What little things do they do that drive you mad, that make you laugh, that make you love them all the more? What quirks do you have? I mean, do you leave tea bags on the sideboard like I do every time I make a cup of tea? Maybe you tend to whistle in the shower. Or you have a habit of sticking your foot into things. Not literally, obviously, in a metaphorical sense. Uh, maybe you're clumsy. Maybe you get too excited about a plan or an idea and then five minutes later you're on to the new one. People have quirks. They are full of conflict and full of oxymorons. You can look within yourself to find examples of this. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident, uh, but I hate having the spotlight on me. If you sing happy birthday to me in a crowded restaurant, I will be crawling under the table to try and escape it. But if you put me up on a stage, give me a stack of papers and tell me to give a speech to a crowd, I have absolutely no problem with it. Now, how on earth do those two things go together? How can someone make a speech in front of hundreds of people, but at the same time shy away from 30 strangers singing happy birthday in a restaurant? How can I be both confident and shy? Well, I mean, I'm human. We're all conflicted all of the time. We hold conflicting opinions. We have conflicting beliefs. We have conflicting personality traits, clearly. And that's what you need to bring in to your characters. They should be messy. They should be flawed. They should make a ton of mistakes and they should suffer and try and better themselves because of it. Our readers love characters because they want to see them grow, because they recognise some of themselves, some of their own journey in what your characters are going through. And a really good way to add this little spark of something extra is to look at the people around you. Look at the people that you love. Maybe peer into your own looking glass for a while and add a drop of that. That little thing that makes us humans wonderfully, beautifully flawed. Try and give them just some of that edge that we carry with us every single day. So that's it. We're going to have a look next week at some brand new tip that I'll think of during the week. Um, but to summarise then what we've gone over today... If you want to craft characters that your readers will fall in love with, then they should be rounded characters. You have to give them depth. You have to explore their past, find out what has hurt them and discover what it will take to get them to change. If you're stuck at where to start, how to begin finding out more about your character, then begin at the wound. Begin at what hurt them. From there, you can work up to their lie, their want, their need and their truth. You should make sure that your characters are flawed and conflicted, 
but there should never be a point when your reader goes, "Mm, they wouldn't do that. And the best tip of all is to use the people around you as inspiration. Put a drop of what you love about them onto the page. Well, I hope that this has been helpful. Uh, If you want to read over any of what I've said today, you can pop over to my blog, uh, which is uh, www.sophie-writes.com, and it's tip number five. I've written some other stuff on characterization too on my blog. So, for example, if you're not really sure if characterization is your problem, I've got a bit of a troubleshooting article about that. And if you're wondering how characterization and empathy sit together, I've got an article about that as well. But for now, I shall see you next week on the podcast. If you're enjoying it, please like and subscribe. Um, Maybe leave a review if you'd like to as well. Otherwise, I shall see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.